when I drove through Cambridge, it's just an amazing spot, and you just see everything you can wish for and want more. But anyway, um, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you're in the world. Welcome into today's podcast. I am sitting opposite a wonderful, truly amazing lady who I'm going to introduce and share with you her story. But I think, I was just saying to you before we went live, I think I'm in heaven. <laughs> I've driven down from Auckland today um, to meet an owner of a business who's doing exceptionally think, great things here in New Zealand and eventually around the world. And when I drove into the beautiful Cambridge, first thing I pass are road cyclists, my favourite human beings in their Lycra, give them a toot and have a nice chat with the boys and girls riding through Cambridge. Then I come past Lake Carapira, which is the world famous for rowing. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows Lake Carapira. Then I drive into Cambridge itself and I'm surrounded by Whole Foods, I'm surrounded by grocery stores, I'm su- surrounded by antique shops and some wonderful places. And I want to rename Cambridge the epicentre of well-being. Nice. Can we do heard, that today? Yeah, you heard it here first. You heard it here first on the Nick Rowe podcast <laughs> with my very special guest. And I love this, um, founder and behaviour changer at Mainstream Green. Nicola Turner, welcome on. Thanks for having me. Welcome and thank you for opening up your second home, Mm. shared workspace. Mm. How are you feeling today about coming on the podcast with me and having a chat? Good, I'm excited. I think we're going to get on well and have some good chat. I will put full disclosure out there. I am so interested in 2021 in bringing really good content of business owners People that are really doing it themselves, they're putting everything on the line, they're, they're putting their heart and soul into business, and they're trying something. And when I saw something come up on the wonderful world of LinkedIn about yourself and New Year's Day, sitting in your car, 8am. <laughs> the glamour. The, the glamour, glamour is real. of being a, an author mm. and releasing mm. a new book. Mm. So... I popped through Cambridge, had a walk around before you and I got together, walked into a wonderful shop called Paper Plus and who's standing in front of me? Your book. (laughs) Well done. Thank you. Mm. Where shall we start? Shall we... I want to get on and and bring your world to to my world and see how we collide and how we come together. But before we talk about your business, um, before we talk about your growing business, mainstream growing, talk us back, you know, childhood growing up where's that sure lie down on the couch and lie down everybody grab yourself a coffee (laughs) hot chocolate or if you're in scotland a wee dram here we go so yeah when it all begins yeah look i guess when it comes to my childhood nothing overly strange or startling really born and raised in new zealand um yeah i've got an older brother predominantly raised by a mother and didn't really have a lot, but mum worked super hard to make sure we had everything we needed. I guess I was a, when it came to school and things, I was an aspiring overachiever. An aspiring <laughs> overachiever. We're going to get on really well. How do we become an aspiring overachiever? I was always really busy um, and doing lots of things and trying lots of things. Uh, never, you know. Um, extraordinary at at any of them but like to give things a good nudge Uh, definitely wasn't extraordinary when it came to things like throwing and catching a ball and calculus Uh, (laughs) 
calculus and cricket don't go hand yeah, in hand cricket. and cricket yeah yeah exactly so um yeah definitely had some some weaknesses and some strengths and yeah I think yeah so definitely threw myself in into a lot of things and and you know and did a ride at some of them and not so much at others when I sort of throw a lens over my childhood in terms of where I am now, I guess, I, I, some of the things that have kind of shaped, I can see have shaped things and got me to where I, I am are one, you know, predominantly being raised by my mother. She was a remarkably independent woman and I think that shaped my independence. I think we didn't have a lot and so we had this real um, resourcefulness, I guess, which when ultimately when you boil it down, when you boil sustainability down to what's at its core it's all about using what we have and and resourcefulness and making do so I think that's really at the epicenter of who I am and and has really I've found that come out a lot so when I've moved into sustainability sorry to jump in but what you Mm. do now has been arched has been etched into the childhood I think, yeah, I think in terms of the values and the way we were brought up, for sure. When I reflect back on it, yeah. like at the Who time, knows? it no, was just, you know, yeah. it, it was just, it was what it was. And I also, you know, another kind of marked event in my childhood was uh, we moved uh, towns when I was at intermediate school and a teacher at my new intermediate school was um, had a really profound effect on my life, I guess, and she got me into theatre. So my debut was of the, as the Wicked Witch of the West in The Wizard of Oz when I was 12. And you, and you were starring role as what? Backstage pulling? No, 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 I was the witch. I was the wow. witch. Wow! Yeah. The Wicked was Witch on the podcast. <laughs> yes. Um, and I think, you know, that kind of led to, to in, in those high school years and early years out of school doing theatre and public speaking and performance, performance-based stuff, and I think that has made me comfortable standing in front of people and, and again that's become a really big part of what I do mm. now in terms of sharing messages and content so yeah isn't it interesting you 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 stand up as a business owner and you're standing in front of one person like myself or a hundred people or a thousand people and it can affect people in so many different ways it can, mm. the fear of god mm. you know I'm an introverted dyslexic who loves one-on-one this is I'm in heaven with you and I today. Yeah, awesome. Put some put put me in a stadium of ten thousand people. I'm just not the right person. But mm. we know our strengths, we know our weaknesses, mm. and we know where we're where we're playing. Um, so a, a good childhood, overachieving, aspiring, aspiring. aspiring. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not get carried away. <laughs> Before we press go, you were mentioning travel. Sydney, London. Where where did mm. that kind of come through? Did that come mm. in? The, did, did, did the art of travelling? I met a lot of people living in London myself who Kiwis, you know, shacked up in Clapham Junction with mm-hmm. a flat with twenty people in there. It's illegal with mm. three. But where the where did the desire to travel overseas come come into your world? Yeah, so it came with my career actually. So mm. I again sort of diligently went on to university, and in my penultimate year at university, got an internship with a um, large corporate with Procter & Gamble. Mm. So sort of went straight into a career really out of that internship and was with them for 11 or 12 years. And with them, I worked for them in New Zealand, but then had the opportunity to go and work in the Australian market and then later on in the UK market. So I sort of travelled with work, which was a pretty deluxe way to do it (laughs) compared to how a lot of Kiwis and and Aussies do the OE. So yeah, so it sort of came with my career, which I was really really fortunate to do it that way Mm. I think Um, and so that and being based in London and the UK obviously that just 
it's just mind-blowing for a Kiwi writer. You know. It's a different world. We were saying earlier, you, know, you go to New York, um, Shanghai, Singapore, wherever, you know, Sydney. It's so, so... Everywhere's so different around the world. Mm. And we've got listeners... Um, we've got 16,500 listeners wherever they are in the world Ireland America States Canada all the way through and it just still blows my mind that people are listening to us here in New Zealand in Cambridge yeah, yeah. And, and we'll get some I, I know we'll get some wicked feedback from people post our conversation and when this goes out on what you're doing um, something that's been bugging me the last few weeks before you and I got together not bugging me but I'm interested to know you've gone from a large corporate mm-hmm. And your job, we'll talk about this in a little bit of detail, but not too much, but you go in as a, you want consumers to buy. Mm. Your job, how can we, my words, not yours, but maximise things, get get consumers buying our products kind of mm. thing. And then we're in a, where does that, where does that learning come for you where you're trying to, trying to get some consumer into a business to buy? Mm. You know, what... What was the kind of train of thought for you on that? What was you learning from that? What was you, was you, was you sitting there going, no, I've worked with a number of clients and they may be a CEO of a business and they're passionate about their people and they're really passionate about what they're doing in their job. Mm. But they take a step back in their life and they go, ah, it's, just, it's just not me. It's just not where I want to mm. play. Where did, where did the shift, and I'd like to know a little bit if that's okay, is where did the shift come from for you from working in a large corporate to going mainstream green mm. talk me through mm. yeah. that side of things sure it's fascinating I think sure and um, yeah there w- it wasn't a lightning bolt but mm. I'll definitely talk you through a bit about the journey in terms of that but yeah I, I loved my career it was great yeah. you know I worked with really smart really great people and I was constantly learning and it was a really you know my my area of focus kind of became all about understanding shopper behavior and I found that really interesting Mm. there was no shortage of opportunity obviously I got to travel and all of those amazing things so it was great so for a long time it was you know I was just in the slip and it was it was awesome and I loved it when like I said there was no lightning bolt and I kind of wish there was because it would be way more it would be a way better story (laughs) But they never are. Never All are. the business owners I get the pleasure of meeting, uh, I'm waiting for this magical, it came from the above, Nick, and this light came through the tree and it hit me when I was sitting there with my partner and suddenly we've got this multi-billion dollar business. Like crap. Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. And actually it's quite a funny, I, you know, because I've, I've thought about it quite a lot and the, the thing that I've kind of pinpointed it to, if that's the right word, is my husband started getting mild dermatitis on the ring finger of his left hand. Yep. And I do have people contact me afterwards, so I just want to reassure everybody that he's okay. He's okay. His finger's okay. He's, he hasn't lost his wedding ring. No, no. Well, he's never worn no, it anyway. So. <laughs> there you go, it's guys. That's an excuse. Another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we'll come back to you next week on that, kids. So he started getting that. So our entrance into the whole journey really came from a personal well-being mm. aspect. So that happened, and he got started getting frustrated with it, went to the doctor, doctor prescribed steroid cream, started using it, cleared up like that. Stopped using it, would come back. So it kind of became this cycle of rinse and repeat. And it got to the point where he was getting really frustrated by it, and I'm like, well, clearly we're treating the symptoms and not the cause. What could be causing this? Mm. And we started going down that rabbit hole. And, and so we started looking at, well, what are the products that we're using 
on our skin that could be causing it and and literally it's been this journey of one small change at a time right and I talk a lot about that and what I do so the first thing we changed was our hand soap because we're like oh well thankfully we're washing our hands a lot we're using that product on our skin a lot what if we switch that to something a bit simpler from an ingredients point of view and that seemed to help and then it was just kind of this journey of what else are we using how do we simplify that do we need to be using all these products can we kind of simplify that then it went on to well what are the cleaning products we're using what are we eating and then throughout that journey we were kind of like well we're simplifying the products that we're using which is great and it's better for our well-being but we're also creating a lot less waste we're also putting a lot less of those synthetic chemicals back into the environment mm-hmm. and that felt kind of good and so what else can we do we're creating less waste how do we create what else is in our rubbish bin that we can decrease and so, so we sort of started going down that rabbit hole and then I started reading up a lot about minimalism and living with less and, and the bigger kind of stuff in our life. So I started going, putting that lens over things as well. So, and look, so far it's been about a nine-year journey, I guess, and we're now... At so nine, nine years when hubby gets from the finger sore finger incident. to now, yeah. mm-hmm. 2021, mm. January. Okay. Yeah, I was pre-kids and, and my, my eldest is seven and a half year now, so I reckon yeah, it was probably about nine years ago. Yeah. And... There was a point in time where I kind of stopped and and went, reflected back on where we'd got to and gone, actually, we've achieved, we've actually significantly changed, simplified our lifestyle and decreased our impact on the environment, and that felt really good. And I also noticed that other people were starting to notice, and if I engaged them in the right way or the conversation came from the right place, you could really start to shift people's mindsets move the needle yeah move the focus nice yeah yeah so i was like hmm, i wonder if there's something in in that still at png or still working yeah still in corporate yeah okay so still doing your day job as they say yep absolutely doing my day job but kind of um uh staccatoed with the maternity leaves yep and just mainstream green kind of um very good friend of mine we started it together basically with that shared passion going, huh, interesting, if you engage people in the right way, you can move the needle, as you say. Mm. And so threw our hat in the ring for some funding from the local council, and we're lucky enough to get it, and that kind of forced us to go, oh, you need to be a registered business, and you need to have a bank account, and <laughs> oh, you need to have... Yes, do we like, need to do this important stuff, being yeah. business owners? I thought we'd just rock up and sit on your desk really, and get to work. We're really it? good at talking about stuff, but turns out we actually need to do some things. So... Um, so that was great because it kind of forced our hand, yeah. you know, it gave us a deadline and, and and we started by just doing a few workshops and, and, you know, the further I go into my business journey and my life journey, the more you realise that, you know, you just learn by doing stuff. You can sit Isn't around and think about things nah, as much. I, I noticed behind in our room here where we were sitting in Cambridge, we're sitting in this bunker room um, and recording it today and behind us is a, a whiteboard and if you can imagine it's it's a... Um, the five-year, ten-year plan or whatever it might look like. But knowing full well how businesses operate, I've got a 26-year plan. And <laughs> someone said to me recently, oh, how's that all going? And how, how's COVID hit you and stuff like that? COVID hadn't and far from it. But there's certainly not, as a business owner, there's not a, there's not a one-way hack there's not a one way she'll be right. There's not a one way. Mm. I think business ownership, and, and you'll probably jump in as well, is, is very much about having the passion and the self-belief and the confidence to really back what it is you believe in mm. and go for it. 
And mm. if, you, if you're that way inclined, things will work out, things will work through. And I know for myself and speaking to other business owners who I have the pleasure of working with, it's, it's oh no, but we need a spreadsheet or we need a, we need a graph or we need a, a PowerPoint presentation or we need something. And I'm going, okay, let's, let's do that, but where's the passion? Mm. Now, that's going to come through when you're standing up on stage talking to those wonderful people in councils or organisations or individuals. Mm. That, that pure resonance is going to come through when you're trying to move the needle or shift mm. people's mindset, isn't it? Mm. So mm. going back to the starting point of, of Main Scene Green, yeah. there yeah. was obviously a, a plan, wasn't there? There was a business plan and a strat plan yeah, and a high-level return on investment and all that, was it? Yeah, there are a few <laughs> random Word documents here and there and a spreadsheet or two. Yeah, absolutely. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, thanks very much. <laughs> Should pull those out one day. Keep them. They'll be worth millions <laughs> one day. <laughs> my, my secret formula. <laughs> Exactly. But yeah, just learned so much by doing. And then with my uh, second child, I was on maternity leave and just the thought of going back after being on that maternity leave to that corporate world, mm. um, it just, and I think having that time out and that perspective, that maternity leave, well, however you do it, was enough to make me go, mm, hold on a minute, I think there's a better way. And I definitely didn't want to throw out everything I knew and everything I'd done how do I use that and evolve that just to be more values aligned mm. Mm. you know and I'm always very quick to say I have nothing against the industry that I worked yep. in I you know again it is what it is and I had a great career and I, I love it and I think I wouldn't be where I am if I hadn't have it mm. had, had that experience because it's given me a really unique kind of mm take on on especially things like sustainability so um so yeah it was a case of going well how do i use that and just and flip it a little that. bit yeah harness the power of it and just flip it a little bit so that it just you know it just takes me off in a different direction that i guess aligns more with my personal values and where my lifestyle was going so the big uh shift for me i guess was i took the first thing i did was i took a contract at council working mm. in, in a waste team there and that was kind of my step out of corporate because again that feels we were talking about mm. before right mm. that feels that's a you know that's quite an uncomfortable thing to do and it took me a while to do that like I was lucky enough to get offered the role and for some reason it took me a long time to accept it and when I really Mike my husband was you know sort of questioning me and we really got to the bottom of it I'm like it's totally my ego that's stopping me taking that it's a mirror Nick it's that mirror again <laughs> it's always that damn mirror if anyone could get rid of the mirror we'd be in a really good world <laughs> we're so much easier wouldn't it but it's like you know because it was a, a significant pay cut it was a significant kind of drop down in the hierarchy it was all of those things mm. and and when I really looked in that mirror as you say it was like but you know, as soon as I recognised, I'm like, well, that's ridiculous, and you know, this is what I need to be doing, and I did it, and it was great. So I did a, a contract there, which really got me to the behind the scenes, I guess, of of waste reduction and councils and all those sorts of things, which was enough of a springboard for me to go, okay, cool, I can see that you know, there's a little bit of a gap in the market mm, here, and mm. there's and and I can see how I can fuse together what I did do and what. Um, you know what I think needs doing and bring those together to create mainstream green so mainstream green's been going for six years and it's a social enterprise in terms of I'm in business to do good I guess if you really oversimplify it that's the the, the main driver of it my driver is is impact how do I get to more people and shift mm. mindsets around sustainability and 
yeah, I work with councils, I work with businesses, and I work with individuals. And it's been, um, it's still a journey, right? Like, you know, if I was to look at my business plan and my strategic vision, all those sorts of things, it's still pretty fluid yep. because I'm still kind of figuring it out. But I think I knew enough to know that there was an opportunity for this mm. and that I felt like I had something to offer, I guess. So it's all, you know, coming back to what you were saying before, did I feel hugely confident about it and back myself? Absolutely oh, not. No. <laughs> Definitely not. In so our, many moments our, of self-doubt. In our own shadows, where there's no one looking, we're always confident. Oh. You know, we, oh. anything's possible. Mm. And learnings or probably you know something we don't talk a great deal about in this world is the failures and the failure is a horrible word from at school you're taught you know you 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 mustn't fail you must pass but Mm -hmm. you know if you look back at the corporate world and then shifting slowly but very um pointed towards your own business Mm. go back six years Mm. and I'm, i'm there's no trick question but would you do anything differently mm. if you sit here today with me on the 13th of January mm. and you look back on day one, month one, quarter one, year one, would you change anything or not? I try, when I reflect on things like this, my default is to try is to believe that that was the right path because mm. I think if everything was exactly the same, I think you learn so much through that journey, yeah. you know, that that shapes that journey and where you get to with it. So would I do anything differently my default answer is no but I think the other thing you know the flip side of that reflection is that I should have backed you know I, I could have backed myself a lot more a lot faster interesting yeah. could yeah. have backed it earlier yeah but but I don't think I could have no, you know <laughs> because that was part of the journey isn't that interesting a great deal of clients who I work with it's it's not that they have a great idea or they don't think they can change things or do things differently or it's having that confidence to walk away from something that's I use the word trapped I can use that word now because I'm in my own business but you know people of certain levels get paid certain salaries Mm -hmm. people get certain perks and to walk away from that to try and do something that's different that's not going to bring a regular income in it's huge risk for Mm -hmm. for oneself and one's family Mm -hmm. and now, this is why I love talking to business owners like yourself who are doing things real and doing things now, not just taking a paycheck. Um, the wheelie bin. Mm. One thing when I was driving down today, I was thinking about you and I was thinking, we've got two kids, similar. So we've got two kids, we've got yep. a dog, we've got groceries, we've got produce, we've got stuff. Mm-hmm. We've got a green wheelie bin, we've got a blue wheelie bin at home. Mm-hmm. Auckland Council goes out. One thing I was reading about yourself before we met was living on a year. The year with, was it one wheelie bin of rubbish? Mm, mm. I burned the rest. Can we talk no. about that? <laughs> I put all the rest in my neighbour's bed. Yeah, but where my neighbours are full <laughs> up. But I wouldn't mind sharing this because I reckon there's listeners around the world who are going, you know what, let's just look at Christmas just gone. Mm. You know, Nicola and I were very keen that the, you know we have less but beautiful things for the kids or less things yeah, nice. that are more intimate and meaningful Nick got a uh, Nicola got Willow a really beautiful I think it's a beautiful uh, doll's house Willow's too so she found the doll's house that was being thrown out because it's unloved the the kids have grown up and they don't want this doll's house so Nick spent every night in the garage leading up to Christmas painting and decorating this doll's house amazing and that's cool and but then you look at the 
what, what, what I'm asking is, how the hell do you go and take a household and put it into one wheelie bin apart from annoying your neighbours? Can mm. you talk us through that? Because I reckon people around the world would mm. love to hear mm. little snippets of what they might be able to do mm. to start. Yeah, sure. And I think it... It all comes back, because that's the thing, we're looking at a point in time, right? Like, I think we, so we hit the, you know, doing a wheelie bin of waste probably three or four years into our journey, Mm. right? So you need to put that in perspective. It wasn't an overnight. And we, you know, we were a pretty typical family living in a pretty typical way. I think we were putting out, um, we were on a bag system where we lived here, and we were putting out one full, you know, or maybe two full bags a week. So... We're putting out, you know, a, a pretty typical amount of waste. And, but it really came down to just that process of one thing at a time because I think, you know, a lot of what, so I, what I say I do now is I used to be about understanding shopper behavior mm-hmm. to get people to, to buy more. Now I'm about understanding human behavior to get people to consume less, right? So because there's this really big, and I operate in that really gray area of human behavior, right? Mm. So there's, there's one thing to know what you want to do, but mm. there's another thing to do it, right? Diet, exercise, action. all of that to take the action. action, right? So we all know what we should be eating and mm. how much we should be sleeping and what we should, how much we should be exercising. But there's this big gray area of reality and human behavior that comes in between the action that we take, right? Yeah. And sustainability is no different, right? So, so it's all about, so if I was, okay, here I am now putting out my one and a half, two bags of, of rubbish a week, and I want to get to this, I want to reduce it, I want to get to this point of, of one wheelie bin. It's all about throwing that lens of human behavior over it. So there's a really basic behavior change framework that I use called um, the EAST framework, and it's all about stuff's got to be easy that's Mm -hmm. the first one you know um and it's got to be attractive and it's got to be social and it's got to be timely Mm -hmm. don't worry too much about the details of each of those but it's all about things any any journey of change that we're going through it's got to be really easy you know so a big thing for me when we're reducing our waste was going okay what's one thing i'm going to reduce what's the easiest thing that i can Mm -hmm. reduce and look in my bin and it might be going oh my gosh we're throwing away a lot of bread which by the way we do all over the world and, and New Zealand's no different where we buy too much bread especially this time of year we're in summer over here it goes mouldy it just ends up getting thrown in the bin right okay man we're throwing away a lot of bread what's one thing I could do to stop that oh, I can store it in the fridge or yep. actually I'm going to chuck it and take out half a loaf and throw the other half in the freezer okay cool all of a sudden we're not throwing out any bread we've done that okay cool that feels good it was easy it's had an impact on our bin that's motivating as well one, one thing being the starting point yeah and then you go okay well, what else is in there that we could reduce and I think also it's a um, so it was very much our journey it was one small change at a time and, and being a type A personality that's quite uncomfortable because you just want to do everything all at once I want that three year plan in one year and I want to do it today yeah I want that weirdy bin done now yep. and there's your hubby and the kids going haggle ah! mum <laughs> Hey, look, I'm the first time that I went a bit too far sometimes, you know, in terms of if I tried to make too much change at once. Um, Because of the situation from a home life point of view or just because it's a change? Just because it, well, both, I think. One, I was not on this journey of change by myself. There were other members of my family, so I had to make it, you know, realistic and comfortable for them as well. But also just any journey of change I think if you try you know they talk about it a lot in terms of diet right mm, it's like mm. how do you actually 
or, or exercise how do you start doing five minutes a day then how do you let it up to ten minutes a day because it's just the human condition that that's how we best adapt to change right that. small incremental changes so that's really at the heart of it is it's been this journey of one thing that feels good what's next one thing so so and it was yeah it was no different with the waste thing I guess um and when it really comes down to it a lot of it so there's a thing I'm not gonna get too technical on it but there's a thing called the waste hierarchy Mm. lots of lots of things have a hierarchy and have upside down triangles and waste is no different and it's a priority order of how we should think about our waste and right at the bottom of it is sending things to landfill and then there's recycling and reusing and reducing and all those fabulous R words and, and lots of different versions of it. But right at the top of the version that I use is rethinking. And it's just stopping and thinking because ultimately if we the best thing we can do is not create the waste in the first place, right? Because if we create waste, we have to figure out a way to deal with it, right? We either have to compost it or recycle it or all of those, all of those things. Whereas if we don't create the waste in the first place, we don't have to deal with it. And Is that... Start, sorry, jumping, but just from... And these conversations are all about two-way conversations, not Q&A. But is that about looking at, before we even go to consume, Yes. think about that. Yeah. Before we go and buy X. Yeah. I've got so many clients, the shiny syndrome. Shiny syndrome. I don't know if that's a, I don't know if that's a <laughs> that's thing. That's a thing right? now. I love it. We've just, yeah, yeah. We've just, we've just embedded Cambridge <laughs> as the World Epicentre for Wellbeing and now this one. But, you know, the next yeah. toy they need. And, and yeah. you're thinking, you know, looking at what you've just said, that hierarchy of rethinking like training for an event, like changing your habits, like changing your career, anything, it starts with rethinking and having that mindfulness, mindful point yeah. in holding yourself to account, taking action and starting with the bread. Yeah, absolutely. Because it is, so I talk about what I do as being mindful consumption. So Interesting. Yeah, so you beautifully. And, I, and I, haven't, I haven't read the book and yeah. I, I mean that seriously. I, I, just, I love coming into these conversations really raw. So yeah, we can just have awesome. a chat. Otherwise, page 23 said, yeah. you need to go and buy a, a worm bin because of X. So yeah, I no, I love page. it. I love it. And it's really interesting because I think people in a lot of things are looking, it's the shiny syndrome, right? Mm. They're like, tell me how to be sustainable. It must be this really fabulous, you know, fantastical thing. And I'm like, it's really not. A lot of it is about just being conscious of our consumption because we can have anything we want, any time we want, delivered to our doorstep if we choose. Consumption, and there's a trillion dollar marketing industry convincing us yep. to do that as well, right? So it's become our default to consume. Mm. So, and again, I'm not judging that, it just it is what it is, mm. right? So mm. how do we break that default? That's the most powerful thing we can do is to break that default by just being conscious right so so I talk a lot about greenfulness which is all about you know being more mindful of how and what we consume right and it's that if I'm going to buy something or consume something it's that conscious moment where where we go do I really need it do I really want it and if I do which is totally fine it's not about going without mm-hmm. if I do is there a better choice I can make right so a really simple example might be going out for a coffee right do I really want it yep do I it's been a late night with the kids they've been exactly. up again and I need to get myself into gear coffee, right? so again it's not about going without but it's about a conscious decision it's like oh yeah no actually I do really want one 
um, okay, cool, how can I make a better choice? Mm. So instead of getting it in a takeaway contain, you know, coffee yep. cup yep. or something, can I take my own cup? Can I, well, I'm paying five bucks for this coffee, can I sit down and enjoy it out of a real cup? You know, can I take it, I ha- oh, damn it, I have to get a disposable cup, but can I just say no to the lid because I don't need that bit? You know, and all of a sudden I've just reduced my waste. So, or it could be, you know, the flip side of that is it could be that Toys for Kids is a great example, right? It's like, oh, I've seen, you know, something there. The kids would love it. Pause. Actually, do they really need it? Do they really want it? Is there a way actually I could find a second-hand borrow, doll's bake, house? Bake, and, steal or borrow, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Well, not yeah. stealing, please. please no, no, no stealing. Right no right stealing. Right. We do not condone stealing. Or can <laughs> I sign up to the toy library? Exactly, and borrow yeah, it, you know? Yeah. So, again, it's not... And I'm really, really... Um, strong on the fact that being more sustainable, living eco, going green, whatever you want to call it, is not about going without. It's not about taking more time or effort. It's about how do we just shift the needle? How do we just shift our mindset a little bit to do things differently and throw a slightly different lens over things? And a lot of the time it really comes down to what we were talking about right at the beginning, which is valuing the things that we have. You know, when our default is to consume things, we're consuming things really rapidly. We're using them fast. We're buying them. We're, you know, furniture's an example, right? You know, we buy furniture. Mm. It used to be that you got given a dining suite. Hand me down from great nans, nans, aunties. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas yeah. now it's become a fashion accessory, mm. right? So the speed at which we're consuming, and there's lots and lots of reasons why, has just become really rapid and therefore... And the interesting thing is our consumption, because a lot of people, and I've talked a lot about waste, but... I think it's really nice to bring it back to consumption mm. because our consumption is not just what we see and what we throw out, it's everything that came before, right? So if we use that... To, to get to that product, to get to that, to, that, to that coffee lid, to get to that table, to get to that X. Mm. That's yeah. what you're talking about then, yeah. is it? Okay. So if it's, you know, if we, let's use a, a couch for an example, right? You go into a furniture showroom, there's a couch there that... You know, there are raw materials that have had to be, you know, felled or mm. transported around and then probably made in a big factory, a big factory with lots of, you know, energy usage, usage and then probably packaged up in a whole lot of plastic and then put on a truck and moved to be put on a big ship to be moved to the other side of the world mm. and then put onto another plastic wrap pallet and, you know, transported to the shop where you bought it from. There's all of that embedded impact before you even... Unwrap it. Buy it. Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah, then we, there's potential that we use it for not a very long amount of time, and then there's obviously mm. the waste. But at the end, so I think it's that we've really lost touch with the value of things. And well, what are the you've really hit on a point there? And you know, a recent example for us, we sit down most nights as a family. We've had tea around a beautiful. One thing that I've said this on a number of podcasts. One thing that next mum said for us to do as a family years ago was get a really beautiful dining room table. Nice. Every decision you guys make, yeah, will be done at that table, whether it's so an true. argument or a cuddle or whatever. So true. And you know, we could have gone and bought the the shiniest, latest, whatever fashion statement. And Nicola and I looked at things, and we went to the Parnell Markets, which was a up in Auckland, but if anyone are overseas, there's a, a, a really cool marketplace. And next door, there was a guy selling his wares. And in there, Nick spotted a table that was having all the stuff showcased and you know, as a demonstration area. And Nick went up to the owner and said, I love the table. How do we, how do we get that table? And he made it himself by hand from the wood off his farm. Awesome. So there's a story for us. We could have gone out and bought, had a little bit more, 
we could have gone out to X, Y, or Z and bought something for a little bit cheaper. And you know what kids are like when we sit around mm, the table and the mm. teeth marks and then the memories and stuff like that. Mm. It may well have been completely different, but you know, we made a choice yep. of how what we wanted and, and how we wanted to live. But I do think, and you hit the nail on the, on the head, is the speed, yep. the noise coming at us about the desires and the impact and you must have, you must have mm. this latest thing, go buy it, you need it now, please buy it. Mm. And I like the way you say, look, just pause before you buy it because... I don't know about you, but most nights we sit down and, as I was saying, we watch the repair shop. Gosh. Have you have you seen it? No. Right, haven't. get onto Channel One, seven thirty okay. on a on a Monday, Wednesday night. There's a UK program called the Repair Shop, and it's literally these wonderful experts up in the UK that the trades or the skills are being lost. So watchmakers or fabric makers yeah, sure. or light refitters, yeah. and mums and dads boys and girls rock up with this heirloom that's been so dear to them like the other night there was a teddy and mum had bought this teddy and then she wanted to leave it as she'd been left it but its arms were falling off and there was ears falling off it and this lady got hold of it and she just made it made it right so she fixed it but she didn't just throw it in the bin they actually took it somewhere to repair it to then reuse it again and that's easier and said than done in our lives today, isn't it? Because as soon as we see a bit of a mark on a clothing, mm. it's like in the bin and let's go down to the $2 shop and get something else. But what are some of the prompts? If you've got any kind of experience, I'd love you to share with us. What are some of the prompts that anyone listening to this going out tomorrow to consume something? What could they possibly do just to, would they choose to buy it or not? What are some of the things they might want to think about when it comes to their home mm. and their everyday consumption, mm. what are some of the things that you might say as a as a as a coach, mm. green goddess coach? What are some of the things they might want to think about going into that person thought? Mm. Green goddess coach, so, yeah, that's there's three things we're doing. I'm just, wow, just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, winning. No coffee today, team. <laughs> Hopefully, in a middle years book cup. No, I sat next to actually a beautiful cup. Oh, oh yeah, they have awesome cups. It's really don't they? magical cups. Yeah, it makes it quite an experience, doesn't it? Yeah, so I think it's it's very much that perspective, right? Because I think I'm going to bring it back to to our relationship with stuff. Yep. So I think there's there's this real tension between bigger, better, newer, more, mm. right? There's kind of this we want to constantly upgrade our house and to get to the bigger one and to get, you know, the four bathrooms and the entertainment room and all of the stuff that needs to go to fill that up. And we're surrounded by that narrative. Mm. Mm. But at the same time, we have this rise of things like Marie Kondo. Do you know Marie Kondo? No, go hard. So Marie Kondo is a quite a phenomenon and she wrote a, a really amazing book and has become a... Uh, she's got spin-off TV series and all sorts of things but her book and I'm not going to get the title exactly right but it's something about the magical art of tidying up but but it's very much about that and she's Japanese and a lot of the Japanese ethos comes into it around it kind of really boils down to that quote which is only have things in your life that you find to be beautiful or useful and I paraphrase that a little I love bit that. right mm. but that's really what it boils down to so it's all about because ultimately we're filling our lives with more and more stuff 
And yeah, there's the environmental impact on that of that, but there's also the personal well-being impact of that. So one, we're working harder than ever before mm-hmm. and going into more debt yep. than ever before to afford to buy all this stuff. Two, when we the more stuff we have, the more things we have to tidy up and to maintain and to look after and to get frustrated at our kids for spreading around the house <laughs> and to organise and you know all of those things so the more and again there's another great quote around that is the more and I'm paraphrasing again but the more stuff we have with, with every with everything we have comes more responsibility right so the more stuff we have in our lives the more responsibility we have so with this kind of this whole rise of minimalism and tiny house living and Marie mm. Kondo and all those sorts of things, you can really see a tangible way that that tension is coming to life, that we're surrounded by this, this narrative telling us to buy more, have more, constantly upgrade, but then there's this really innate human desire to simplify mm. and to kind of step back from that. So I think, and, and interestingly enough, through my journey with the business... I've found that that's the real pain point for people because to go out to people and go, I'm going to help you be more sustainable. People are like, cool, but I've kind of got lots of other stuff going on mm. in my life, and I know Stop I should don't buy that new house. Do you mind get, making this short? Yeah, <laughs> and it doesn't really like people, and I believe people, most people inherently want to do the right thing, but that's not a really that doesn't resonate on a personal level from a corporate company level to an individual level is that what you're but even if that, uh, i'm going to tell you how to i'm going to tell yep. you nick yeah, how to save the planet Please. you're like okay cool but the planet's really big and mm. i don't want to give up you know all mm. of this stuff in my life that's cool and i'll do it one day when i've got time resource and energy to do it whereas if you go i reckon you're really you're quite overwhelmed by the amount of stuff that you have mm. in your house and the amount of gifts that your kids get given every christmas and then you just have to pack them up in the car and take them home and every three months you or Nick yep. has to clean out the toy box and Gift it's shop. a really yeah exactly or to, yeah, to the charity store exactly that's a really tangible thing that people are feeling mm. is that I love I love this, all this you know buying and I'm caught up in that but I find it actually really overwhelming mm. and really frustrating and um probably feel a little bit bad about you know the fact that there's all these broken toys or I'm having to pass all this stuff on so I think there's a real pain point in that so that's a really long-winded way of getting to your question no not at all because this is such a look it's not a long-winded we could go on for hours it's not at all long-winded because it's so important that you know we think about these things because Mm. you know just because you and I our neighbours our friends are doing something doesn't mean the world is going to change but it's one hell of a starting point Mm. isn't it mm. and where I was kind of thinking about with, with, with this conversation is and one thing that's really interested me about your business looking at from lens out looking in is here's this dude at in Cambridge going into large businesses going into corporates going into councils and, and I'm going to use the word it might not be the right one but educating mm-hmm. and allowing them to be educated on what, what could be done what's possibly done and you go around your friend's house at the weekend and they're really into it. You know, little Johnny, little Freddie, they're doing it. They've got the worm farm. They're buying less. They're composting. They're doing all these things. They're, get, they're walking. They're not jumping on a, in a diesel car. Let's not go there for today's conversation. But they're, they're, they're doing it. So mm. how do you take your story? And I saw your business. You've got the corporates, the councils, yep. and the individuals. Yep. 
I am human, you're human, I, I, treat, I think everyone's one, but yep. how do you take that story of mainstream green and go, right, I could really work with you, Nick, mm. as an individual, and I know you've got the right intent and the right behaviours, mm. Nick. I'm going to put that into one of the big corporates. Because we can yeah. do so much as individuals. Yep. But I yep. think it starts, you know, your upside down triangle, you flip that up, you've got the big corporate boys and girls, and then yep. you've got... How does that story and, go through? And thank you. That's a really nice segue to bring us back on track from my wandering. No, no, but wandering's um, good. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's a really interesting challenge that I faced with the business mm. because I'm like, okay, I have this great corporate background and I feel relatively at home in that environment. I know how to relate to those people, but I've had this personal journey of sustainability. Mm. And I, the business Mainstream Green very much started working with Households and everyday people. How do I then translate that? Because from a business point of view, it makes a lot of sense for me to work with corporates, bearing in mind that my business is driven by creating impact. So absolutely have to work with individuals and households, but can it also have a lot of impact with corporates, right? Because mm. you can get in and get to a lot of people uh, in, a, in a captive audience, I guess. So I spend a lot of time going, well, how do I translate what I do? How do I make... You know, and even a lot of the photos on my website were me and my home and things mm. like that. I'm like, how do I throw this corporate lens over it? And one, my whole positioning really boils down to, which is the same for individuals and corporates, is how do you make, how do you stop sustainability feeling like a really big deal? How do you make it easy, normal, and feel good? Every day, not just the time, the moment. Exactly. The buzzword. Exactly. So whether you're an individual or whether you're a business, you know that sustainability is a big deal and it's not going to go it's away. Going away. Yep. So what's you know, one of the barriers from that moving from knowing to doing is going, I just don't have the time or the resource or the right people in my business or the energy or whatever that is to do it. So a big thing for me is well how do you actually dispel the myth that it's a big deal and it's this whole mutually exclusive mm. thing mm. that we need to fit into our life and show that actually from a business point of view, or from an individual point of view, it doesn't have to take more time, energy, or you know, every solution, every change I make has to take me the same amount of time and money or less. Otherwise, I know it's not going to stick. If you're a business, generally, if you're being more sustainable, it's actually really good for business because coming back to what we were talking mm. about before, it's all about valuing the resources that we have, right? So generally, and we were, I was having this conversation with Paper Plus where you were today, right? He's like, I get sent these big display, big cardboard display units that I never use. They just sit in the back airing cupboard yep. or whatever, sorry, storage cupboard, yep. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, you know, have the conversation with the supplier mm. because ultimately they've got cost in terms of making them and They may want to save out. money. Yeah. <laughs> they may not want to send them out. Exactly. If they don't send them out, you know, it's better for, there's less waste. Yep. But it's also going to save the money. Like generally, it's very tied up with lean business practices, mm -hmm. right? Which mm -hmm. are all about waste. And when I'm talking about waste, I'm talking about physical waste. I'm talking about energy. I'm talking mm -hmm. about water. I'm talking about all of those things, which really come down to sustainability. So, so it, yeah, it, it makes sense from a business point of view. It makes sense from a household point of view. And I just kind of am all about how do you bridge that gap so it's not seen as this mm -hmm. big other thing. But then also, because I do a lot of speaking, mm. so I do public speaking events and I do a lot of speaking in corporates and keynote speaking and those kinds of things. And same thing as like, if I'm going into a corporate, I really have to change my message so that it's very corporate. Why? Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. No. No, no but we said before, we, before we press live, you and I were talking, I said, why is it you shove a microphone in front of somebody and they, they look like a rabbit? They kind of freeze. <laughs> 
It's yeah. the same what you just said. Like, I rock into a corporate world and I'm dealing with the chair or the CE. Mm. Why are we being different? Why is it different? Why is the language different? Mm. Because the output is still the same effect, isn't it? So talk us through yeah. that. Okay, and no, you no. totally had the nail on the head before in mm. terms of still humans. <laughs> it's just humans in a different environment. And also my approach, and it is only one approach, and there's lots of different ones for sure, but my approach often when I'm working with businesses, because the businesses I tend to deal with are, yeah, look, we really want to do something, but we just don't know where to start, and we feel like it's this big deal. So it's help. It's help. Help it's, it's It's just building a little bit of a bridge, and my approach with them is always just start. The bread. The just, bread just, the bread. just start. Go for the Whatever bread. Whatever it is. Yeah. yeah, go for the bread. Exactly. Whatever it is. It doesn't matter how small or insignificant it is. Because coming back to what I was saying before, it's a gateway to other changes. Mm. And choose something really easy to start with because you'll do something easy and then you'll go, oh, that, felt, that was easy. Easy. Yeah, that felt really good. What can I do next? You know? So, so that's my attitude with businesses. And as you rightly said, why do I have to change my messaging? Because ultimately I'm talking to a room full of humans mm. and they are humans in their household mm. and they're also humans in their workplace. And what I speak about or what my aim is when I speak to people is how do you shift their mindset just mm. a tiny bit to flick on that switch to be more conscious and they will carry that with them wherever they are. And so often, if I see businesses that are doing work in the area of sustainability, it started with one or two people. It might be a massive multinational the individual dude or do that, yeah. in, going, "I want to try this and do totally. this." Totally, yeah, totally. So, so yeah, you're absolutely right. I've ended up that I'm just talking to humans wherever I go, and the messaging is the same. I will definitely dovetail in, you know, more relevant corporate examples or more relevant home examples but ultimately the message is the same and my aim is just to shift people's mindset one degree you know so that they can flick that switch to go I wonder if there's a way we can do this that's better and it really doesn't matter what that is you know from the bookstore who's going to actually go back to the supplier and go actually no we don't need these anymore can you please not send them to the passionate person in our co-working space here who brought in a whole lot of their old you know, plastic containers so that we can all take them with us to, to get our sushi. I know, I know it's in your restroom, and this is full disclosure, you've got your own name above the towel that you use. Yes. Do you take that home and clean yourself, or is it just a... No, Suzanne, who runs the space, is Well done, Suzanne. And, yeah, well done, big plug for the Cambridge Suzanne. Suzanne. Yeah, but yeah, we have, whereas you know, historically we would have had paper towels as well, and yeah. that's just, again, she's like, that's a big deal for me, and um, she's set that up and... It's brilliant, and it makes you feel a little bit more. It does, at home. and, I got and, my hotel here. and look, nothing changes overnight. But you've got a thing that goes through your, resonates through you and your business and how you talk, and you know some of your public speaking you do is the ripple effect, mm. and that's probably what you've just spoken about to a certain extent. If you know Nick, I could go and spend every working minute of my day talking to an individual every mm. single day, and mm. that's going to make a massive difference. But then, if I go into those big corporates, mm. whoever's listening around the world, we know you're out there. How do I get that into into their world so they can start having that ripple effect? And it is mm. it is coming back to that educating of certain little things, and it doesn't need to be drastically big. Or you know, we see change coming through organisations every day. Twenty twenty, COVID, uh, wow, boom, pull the handbrake up. So much change is going on and still going on with businesses, mm. you know, mm. costs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And 
businesses are looking at how they operate. Mm. And that doesn't mean that there's wholesale change, but there are little things that will be changing. Look at our work life, uh, working from home. No, absolutely. Look yeah. at how we travel to work. I, I was saying to you before we went on, like Louis goes starts school in a few weeks, and he's going to walk up the hill to school. And over the next five, ten years, are we going to see these big cities, big corporate offices, just having a flashing light now? Because people are going four days a week. Mm. People are going working a little bit differently that may make an impact is that is that really feeding into your mm. your vision for your business mm. and is that something you're trying to help articulate in organizations because there isn't an, a Nicola Turner in every business is there mm. that you know no. you've got a CFO a Thank CEO <laughs> the world would be amazeballs <laughs> but you know you haven't got that human resource department that has um, head of do you have head of sustainability or head of minimising waste anymore? You know, what, what does it yeah. look like? Is there a person that does that? Who would you typically go and speak to in the, in the organisations? Yeah, and that's a, that's a really interesting point. It's, it tends to be two streams. Yeah. One, there is sustainability. There are mm. absolutely sustainability and corporate sustainability roles, and that may be an avenue that I go in through. Mm. Or the other one, which interestingly feeds in from from what you were just saying before is under the guise of employee well-being okay so often I get a lot of work through that Mm. so because there is more of a I don't know if that's the right way to say it but people's needs are changing right and and any good organization will realize that they need to look after their employees and and whatever well-being means Mm. but a lot of organisations are starting to see, because I talk about what I'm doing as being better for the planet, but also better for your own personal well-being, mm. right? Because the journey that we've been through, we've significantly decreased our impact on the environment, and that's awesome. But we've saved a heap of money, mm. we've saved a heap of time, and life is a whole lot simpler. And part of this journey that we've gone through is both my husband and I have big corporate careers. Well, he just took last year off to be at home with the kids. And I've obviously followed my passion into the business. Like a big part of it has also been really questioning our priorities and going, we were just stuck on this kind of journey of earning more. The, and, tre- the treadmill yeah. to where are we going again? Yeah, the bigger house. It's a bigger, shinier toy, Nick. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. It must be good, really. You, you like, leave this world with nothing, you come in with nothing, but there you go, it's what we put up in between. Exactly. So, 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 hubby takes a year off, you yeah. see things, you see the change, you're measuring the change, or you just, yeah, how do you quantify, how, how big CEs quantify it, justify yeah. what's it? The return how, on what's my ROI, Nicholas? Okay, you know? so ROI, here's one. Here's one. Here's one. Let me tell you a story. <laughs> here's an ROI for you. This is a wonderful conversation, Nick. This is really <laughs> wonderful. So, New Year's resolution, I think, 2017 was I only wanted to go supermarket shopping every six weeks. Can I interject? You may. When you talk about supermarket groceries for the guys in the States, groceries. are you talking about the local village? Um, I only want Cambridge, to go food shopping. Walk down Cambridge, wonderful street. You've got Whole Fields, you've got the green grocers, you've got the butcher, you've got the milkman, everything. Mm. Is that included in that pot of... That is included in so that. So I only want to food. go food shopping got every it. six, six weeks. weeks. Okay, yeah. thank you. So, no, thank you. That's a good clarification. Mm. My motivation predominantly was time. Yep. Okay, because when we started to look at it, we were spending two and a half hours of our weekend food shopping. Be that at the grocery store or the 
you know, fruit and veggie produce yep. store, wherever that might be. So number one, time. Not really enjoying this. And number two, money. Mm-hmm. We're spending a lot of money. On three food. New Zealand dollars, three four hundred easily with exactly. families. And if you're drinking, keep adding on some numbers. Exactly. Carry on. Yep. Three waste. Yep. Production. Those are yeah. I mean, time was my it was a big one, but the the waste was also a big one. And then also, I had an inkling that we would eat better. I'm I'm in the zone. You're in the zone. When you just went there. Go for it around that. And if you're asking for an ROI, yep. anybody listening, there was a spreadsheet for the whole year. Have we got a copy and paste? I can definitely share it. Show notes coming. I love a good. I'm one of those, you know when you do personality profiles yes. and worked in large corporates, I'm always the diagonally opposed. Oh. Yeah. You're the red, big elephant in the room. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've wrong never, word of saying. Never been called that before, but it's wrong. Opposite. Yeah. Opposite. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I love, you know, the big picture and the big <laughs> ideas, but I'm also a big fan of a good spreadsheet. So had my spreadsheet. One year, and we still continue to do this now, and I'll give you, you know, a couple of ways that we do that. But in the first year of doing it, we saved over $4,000. Oh. Mm-hmm. Reduced our packaging waste by 92.6%. No, I made that up. It's about 90%. Oh, you've written that down from my show notes. Is that a lie? That's about, that's 90%. Four grand's definitely a figure. A four, four grand. Okay, a figure. sorry. Yeah, over $4,000. Yeah. And we, we reduced our packaging waste by 90%. Wow. And I just love saying things to one decimal point because people <laughs> think you're waste matter. And, and then we definitely ate more real food because we weren't, you know, when you go to the supermarket, you can have anything. Yep. You know, and, and there's some. so much temptation, mm. and there's a lot of science that goes into that you temptation, know that which world. I obviously that understand. Your previous world. Yeah. Yeah. And it works, it totally works. But when you're kind of, when you've got what you've got, you tend to eat a lot better. And you eat all the bags of chips and the packets of biscuits in the first week, and then you've got <laughs> five weeks of hell. Five weeks of eating cabbage. Give me no, chips. I'm joking. Hey, cabbage is good if you, know, if you think sauerkraut, about it. Sauerkraut. Sauerkraut. All sorts of different ways to cabbage. Absolutely. My grandparents are Hungarian, well, were Hungarian, they unfortunately passed away many years ago, but. Sauerkraut. It's and, amazing. And, 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 and pickled. Oh, let's not go there. Another podcast. And that's the thing. If all you've got is cabbage, you will figure out some awesome things to do with cabbage. <laughs> do you but... know how many ways you can do a cucumber or something? <laughs> We're growing courgettes at the moment in the, in the, uh, oh, yeah. on the quarter acre section at home. Yeah, nice. And, you know, you, you can only eat so many courgettes. Yes. Or we call them marrows because they get bigger Big and bigger. In like 24 <laughs> hours. You're like, how did that happen? Louis sitting there, not, not them again. You know, yeah. we've, got, we've got to spice things up here. But anyway, back to your... Grate them and freeze them. Because when it's July and they're $28 a kilo, you'll be like, I've got them grated in the freezer. I can throw them into my spaghetti bolognese or my whatever else. The light bulb moments are here again, listeners. And that's that's really good. I've been grating marrows (laughs) like a man. (laughs) Because I feel your pain. Great. So, yes. Where were we going on that? Okay, so so first year of of only going shopping every six weeks. Uh, saved over $4,000, reduced our packaging waste by 90%, definitely ate more real food, got back two working weeks of time in a year. And for those that are time short, that's a big eye-opener. And a lot of my journey and how I talk to other people about it is you've really got to connect with what's your why. Why am I doing this? Because if you know what your why is, then you can make sure that the changes you're making align with that. So for me... Otherwise it's false. Otherwise it's not going to be sustainable and it's the sense of it's not going to keep going, right? So for me, absolutely I want to decrease my impact on the environment, but it can't take me more time. 
because if it's going to take me more time, I know it's not going to stick. You ain't doing it for long for a long haul. Absolutely. So a big thing for me in in my messaging and my content is how do you dispel the myth that being more sustainable is inconvenient? Can I jump in on that? Yeah, do that word sustainability could potentially um, here see the picture as I draw it is boy, girl, man, woman, kids walking from their house in suburbia into the local town to go grocery shopping mm-hmm. and carrying everything back. And already someone goes, well, I've got two kids, I've got three kids, I've got a dog. Yeah. Do I want to have that hassle? Or could I just mm. jump in my car and drive down the mm. grocery store? Convenience, it comes back to that word. Mm. So what you're saying is it doesn't have to be man and woman walking down the street with bags carrying stuff around you can still drive there you can still do whatever you need to do think about the consumption and think about your time because that's that four grand of savings that's that's a real real reality check for people and Mm. if if you're trying to be not necessarily frugal but um, more aware of what you're doing with money and it's not easy come easy go as we all know that's an eye opener isn't it for people listening in yeah Absolutely. And money to me is gives us is what gives us choice. Options. You know, right? And if and so for us a big part of the journey was how do we decrease our spend so that then we can have choices in other ways. So anyway, that's another tangent. But yeah, absolutely. Like I have regularly been asked when I tell the story if I have a house cow. A what? A house cow. So, so a cow out the bag. Eating everything that you chuck out. Yeah. Uh, no, milking it so oh. that I can you know, so people assume I have a really good garden. Tell me um, do. I'm very good at growing marrows. Um, but people assume I have a really good garden and a house cow um, and that we eat, you know, a really limited repertoire of foods. Yep. None of those things are true. Good. Thank you. So, it's again, it's all been about how do we... Because, again, I don't believe it's about sacrificing mm. or going without... It's all just about how do we, this is where we want to get to, what are the steps we need to, to take us there. Mm. So, so look, the main things we do are, we, I do grow marrows and a few other random things, and but I'm an average to poor gardener, but I'm getting better. But I definitely don't grow enough to sustain our family mm. from a five plus a day. Mm. Uh, so, so I am getting better at that. But we do get a weekly produce delivery. So... Uh, local package free the from box local. of goodies yep yep absolutely and that involves eggs mm. and a few other bits and pieces as well so we do get that uh, delivered just really selective in terms of where that comes from mm. how it's packaged all of those sorts of things then really the big other things in terms of what we do are we buy in bulk and I'm not talking about buying a pallet load of stuff I'm just going how do we instead of having to go to the supermarket you know, every week to buy something. How do I buy something that's going to last me, um, you know, the duration of time that I want it to? And for a lot of people, I'm like, just half the amount of time to go to the supermarket to mm. kind of get you into that groove, and that's certainly what I did. So generally, you will save money doing that. And I get, you know, it might be I didn't do everything overnight. Each time I started going to the supermarket, I was like, well, can I buy a bigger size of that? So one, your financial outlay is not massive the, yep. the first time you do it. And two, you kind of feel your way through in terms of what you need. So buying in bulk. So generally, buying in bulk is going to save you money, but it's also going to reduce your packaging waste, mm. right? It's, you know, more product and, you know, one packet, less surface area. It's physics or something, right, in terms of, you know, 
list west in a really there is a spreadsheet you've got for that to prove the dynamics but trust us on this one just just roll with this really simple example because again people go i don't have the space i don't you know people kind of jump to uh i have to buy things in 10 kg sacks Mm, mm, one of the simplest changes you can make is to if that's the lens you're going with is by bulk is by double length toilet paper twice as much toilet paper in the same amount of packaging you've just halved your plastic packaging Mm. like that right so it doesn't have to be complex. Hmm. We're just letting that sink in. Yeah, we're letting that sink in because we buy, look, Nick and I do buy in bulk. We do, we do grow vegetables. We've got fruit trees. We've got um, a garden where we can choose to go out and get something from the garden if we need. And if you've got space, great, buy it in bulk because what you just said makes absolute sense those little behaviours in people's mindset in transforming that and changing that buying behaviours. Here's a great example. Louis turned five on the 30th of December. All his mates are away, out of town, on holiday here in New Zealand, doing whatever they're doing. So we have a bit of a party with his mates when they come back. Nice. Going to make a cake. Nick's going to make a beautiful cake, a toolbox, chocolate. Got to be chocolate for Louis. Um, Run out of eggs. Shit, got to go down the supermarket. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm probably leaning the conversation towards preparation, lists, mm. getting yourself organised. Because, you know, there's a great example. We need an egg. Otherwise, poor Louis's not going to have his cake. Mm. And none of the kids don't want... We all want cake on Everyone our birthday. Everyone cake. Cake is And that's king. That's really important for, yeah. in our household anyway. If it's not in yours, and sorry if I've, if I've interrupted. But, yeah. you know, we just jump in the car, we go down the supermarket. So is, are you asking and saying, look, part of your work is, you know be getting yourself organized and having lists and, and being a bit regimented in how do you go about shopping because there was a rule in thumb and it probably hasn't changed and you'll probably speak more to it is you walk around the outside of the supermarket mm-hmm. or the grocery store you don't go in the middle if mm. that's your genre mm. you know so you know so many business owners and leaders have got things they've got to do and think about and you know you've got you just said I get a box full of groceries or green groceries that turn up and that's helping you because you can probably pre-order what you need and think mm. about what you need and oh I need I need more marrows because I've grated this <laughs> so it's little things like that is where you're shifting people's thoughts isn't it yeah or, and or look, not well I think also a part of it is a big so a couple of a couple of layers to it mm. one I think just going back to that that conversation about bulk is a lot of people will shut down as soon as they use the word bulk because they're like I don't have space I don't have you know storage I don't have all of those things and I guess that's not really what's the, the the point of it the point of it is supermarkets grocery stores food outlets everywhere malls are now open seven days a week if not 24 hours a day 24 7 right they used to be open Five and a half days a week, business hours. Yep. You know, I learnt to drive in the, the grocery store car park on a mm. Sunday because no one there. can't do that anymore. <laughs> so, because, and it, but it's market, or we feel, and it's marketed to us as being more convenient. Mm. The reality is, it's open more, we go more. We're spending a lot more of our life now mm. Mm. shopping because we can. That's not more convenient. 
because we're just spending more. You know, you drive past the mall on the weekend, you look at the car park. I oh, drive straight past, but that's yourself. <laughs> that blows my mind, right? Yeah, yeah. That's time, but for some reason there's this disconnect between our perception of convenience and where mm. we're spending our time. So for me, it is a win, and I know I'm going to save time if I don't have to leave the house, right? So, and that kind of segues into my next point, mm. which is a big part of this journey. I'm kind of a planner. I'm definitely not regimented. The biggest kind of change is shifting my mindset mm. in terms of if I don't have it, instead of defaulting to go to the store, what else can I do? Mm. Right? So you can substitute chia seeds for eggs. Yep. Oh, wow. Can you? Fact. Fact. You One can... hour, seven minutes, Nicola. <laughs> Note to selves. It's a very selfish podcast today. <laughs> is that right? Chia yeah. seeds. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. I do make some things up, but that is not one of them. <laughs> You can go and knock on your neighbour's door. I can say, speak to your neighbour, yep. You know, like, again, we've just... And both of those things are going to be a whole lot faster. Than driving anywhere or walking anywhere. And driving to the supermarket and, you know, you feel like it's really fast jumping in your car and driving. But again, I always tell the story of, you know, it's four minutes each way for me to drive to the Mm -hmm. supermarket in our town. But by the time you hop in your car, you know, maybe you're looking presentable. I live in a small town, so you know every third person, so you kind of have to... Well, hang on, hang on. Uh, Full disclosure, you said, um, I phone my husband when I'm about to leave work, and he says, see you in an hour, because you've got (laughs) to do one this number chat with you. So, yeah, yeah. you're always running into people you know, so you've got to look reasonably presentable, you've got to drive, you've got to find a park, you've got to find what you're looking for, buy all the other, you know, eight other things that you didn't realise you needed, wonder how you've just dropped $120, you know. Um, drive home park, unpack, all of those things. That's not more convenient. Mm, you know, yeah. taking that micro pause to go, man, I've run out of eggs. What can I do? Instead of I've run out of eggs, I have to go to the store. It's as simple as that. You know, it's as, and sometimes you're going to need eggs and mm. you're going to have to go to the store and so be it. You know, it is what it is. It's what you know, I totally believe in. It's the things that we do most of the time mm. and every every little bit counts for sure so don't beat yourself up about it if you really need eggs no, you have I'm to not, go to the store myself, it's, just, yeah, it's yeah. about educating it's about learning it's about growing and all this is all about learning and growing and you know let's go back two years mm-hmm. mm-hmm. 55,000 words later mm. out pops a beautiful book living lightly mm. I love the caption the busy person's guide to mindful consumption mm. love that Cool. So Yay. I want to know, because you know, that's what got me very recently into your world of seeing this post and I'm going, I want to meet you, I want to understand you and I want to get you on my podcast and have a chat. But firstly, well done on writing a book. Thank you. Well done on putting time and effort into it. Well done for getting it out there. And I hope it's a success. Thanks. 55,000 words isn't something you do overnight. Mm. So... When I was up at Paper Plus, having a little walk around Cambridge, I did flick through very quickly, and it's, mm. it looked well. The, the photography in it, the imagery, the style, the look and the feel—it's easy to use. And I, I'm going to get myself got to have a look through it over the next few weeks. But why the book? Mm. Why why go from I'm I'm in my business, um, I'm in mainstream green, I'm rocking up to organisations, I'm working up with councils, I'm working with individuals. Then where does the book come in? Yeah. So my natural. Sp- state is mm. speaking this is your heaven speaking 
speaking to a group of people. Okay. No offence, I'm having a great time. <laughs> no, no, thanks a lot to your family. Not taken. <laughs> I love you know I love this too. But yeah, my, when it comes to my business, if it's like, what's your? Um, oh, I heard the term for it today, and I can't remember. But what's your? You know, my absolute jam is standing on a stage and talking to a big group of people. Where do people. you feel your most naturalist, comfortable space? Yep. And that is it. That's big, it. big and room, that- big full of lots of tens of thousands of people. Yeah, there's maybe a pause there. Tens of thousands, <laughs> thousands is a lot. I just have to let that sink in. But it's kind of my sweet spot. It's a dark right? room. You don't yeah, see yeah, anyone totally. apparently. I only it's feel a, like just it's, a spotlight on you. I feel like there's you know, a couple of thousand. I'm totally down with that. But that's my sweet spot yep. in terms of where I feel I can add the most value because it brings together, like I was saying before, you know, from a childhood point of view, I've always had that kind of in me in terms of. Um, Performance is a mm. big word, but you know, but but a natural affinity to that. Uh, I feel you know really passionate and driven by my message. That's where I f- and I feel like um, the way I deliver it. I talk a lot about uh, education or information by stealth. So if I'm talking to a room, if I'm going into a large organisation and talking at a conference, and I'm speaking to you know a couple of thousand people, it's a bell curve of humanity, right? Mm. And they're there because they're part of that conference or they need to be for a work point of view I'm not preaching to the converted I'm just preaching to a bell curve of Mm. humanity Mm. and that's when I feel like I can shift the most mindsets because there's people there going I don't know if sustainability is for me or I'd love to do it but I don't have the time or energy Mm. and I've got them Mm. and I can talk to them and and I can shift shift those Mm. mindsets so um, yeah that's, that's what I love doing so the book yeah, writing's not my natural state. It wasn't on my bucket list. I was very... The universe just dropped one in my lap, and I was so lucky. Cool. Somebody from Collins came to one of my events. Oh, wow. In Auckland. Yeah. So, look, I kind of started flirting with the idea because it was just a logical step and as a way to get scale, mm. but just didn't know if I had it in me, to be honest. And Everyone's got a book in them. Mm, that's what they very say. Very few... Do it. Actually do it. So I was just the planets aligned and I was very, very lucky that someone from HarperCollins came to one of my events and came up and spoke to me afterwards and just went, hey look, you know, there could be something here and then the journey started from there and as they say the rest is history. So it was kind of two and a half years from then to now and it was a real journey of, and it was a really similar journey actually, I, I did a TEDx talk mm. um, uh, last year as well. I will put links, as I do with all my wonderful guests, up to how, why, where, and when. So oh, we'll awesome. make sure that's all nailed out later. Thank you. So you did but, a TED, TEDx talk? Yeah, that was last year. And it was a really similar journey with the book and the talk in terms of it's all well and good to go, hey, look, I'm, I talk about mindful consumption and sustainability and all those sorts of things. But it's another thing to go, but so what? Like, what's my real kind mm-hmm. of message and, and and point of difference and who am I talking to um, and and yeah what's my just really getting clarity of of what is my niche or mm. niche, um, niche yeah that that I want to um, that I'm all about so so with the book it was very much that journey of okay cool this is you know this is all the stuff that I talk about how do I find a way to really find the voice on that and put it into a book and yeah really interesting some of some of the aspects of writing a book were easier than I thought 
somewhere harder. So I was quite surprised that um, I just wrote and it was about 58,000 words and my mm. target was 55. So it was just, again, the planets aligned and that just seemed that that's what I had in me on the time, which was really awesome. And I found the writing, once I found my voice, I found the writing process easier than I thought. I'm not going to say it was easy, but easier I wouldn't than say I to anyone it's easy. Mm. But what do you do? Lock yourself in a room for a day, tell hubby kids, please bugger off, I'm going to write. Or is it a case of... I'm up at midnight, I've got a bit of inspiration, I'm going to write something. How does that, how does writing for you look? Yeah, when I first started, it was just forcibly making myself write. I must do And it this. was not great no, no. what was coming out, but it was just getting, I think, in the, finding that flow. So mm. I would get up early before the kids and, and, you know, and my husband and just lock myself in a room and set my timer. It was literally 45 minutes from memory and just bang stuff out. And that just got me in the habit of it. And then, yeah, it's all about the habits, small changes. And then when I really got into it, I would bring myself here. So to my co-working space, uh, predominantly of a weekend Mm. and just spend a half day or a day um, knocking stuff out. Didn't really set myself targets, um, small targets, you know, each day I'd kind of go before I, you know, Go make myself a cup of tea or something. I've got to finish this bit, but just um, once I was in the flow, yeah, and I set some soft discipline around it. It just seemed to work. So, um, yeah. You're pleased with how it's come out. That's a stupid question, Nick. But you're you're pleased with that you've written it, and you're pleased that you press go on it, and you're pleased that people can go and get it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I am. It was um, again. You don't know what you've got in you, and. <sighs> You know, a lot of it is what I speak about uh, in terms of speaking, but it's just quite different putting it down in, in the context of a book. So, yeah, I mean, it was a long time coming because uh, 2020 being the year that it was, it was supposed to launch a lot earlier. So that was a really interesting process as well, having mm. to, I'd finished writing it and it had printed and then we had to sit on it for a long time. Yeah. So that so was having your third, process. Well, you've got two kids as well, but the third child going... I'm not holding this on for another nine months. Yeah, yeah. Imagine. Oh my god. I Imagine. And then you can't, I couldn't go back and change anything. So it was a really, you know, that was an interesting wow. process. But um, look, absolutely. You know, would I do it again? Yeah, in a heartbeat. It was a really rewarding and not without its. You know, it was it was a journey and not without its ups and its downs. But overall, yeah. So 2021, as we wrap up today, 2021, mm. the business is. The book's out. Yep. Yep. How you touched on something that's quite interesting to me. You want to impact and help and do touch many people as you can, and the book's going to enable that, I'm sure, and going to mm. get out to different parts of the world. COVID's changed the ability for leaders and executives to jump on a plane and learn and grow and go and mm. see somebody in a different part of the world. And you know, you say, "Look, Nick, I'm fizzy and I'm in that environment of happiness when I'm standing in front of a room full of people." Yep. 2021 is there plans for you you know is there a is there the book tour is there mm. the, the nick mm. tour what is it how does mm. that shape out for you or if you can say or is anything going on around that yeah yeah absolutely so uh, i'll be do- i'll do a series of events around the book yeah so that's kind of what my february and march look like and best laid plans we'll just have to see how that rolls out who knows, who knows? right you yeah, know, the human knows? ability to deal with uncertainty has evolved a lot so but that's absolutely what i've got planned and then i'll let the, give the book its time in the sun and then push out my tedx talk as well too because that's more of a platform i guess to grow that business yeah. visibility as well so 
Yeah, look, you know, a lot of stuff is moving to digital and that's fine. A lot of the, you know, all the bookings that I had pre-COVID kind of went ahead. We just moved into a digital platform and, and delivered it that way and that's totally fine. But there's still nothing like that human-to-human human connection. Mm. So I will be weaving that in wherever and however I can. But we've all got to, you know, evolve. And if it's, if it's getting my message out there digitally and, and lucky enough that the book's there as well, it's another mm. forum, then, then that's all good. Well, look, we've been going an hour and a half. Wow. <laughs> I think we could go all night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this is such a thank you for welcoming me into Cambridge and thank you for welcoming me into your business and the wonderful work you're doing. What's the final message for our wonderful listeners? If there is one, you know, there's not one, st- there's not one word of wisdom. I'm not looking for a hack or anything, but is there anything you'd like to just wrap up with with people? And mm. What's your thought around that? Mm. Don't want to pick on the spot, but no, no, it's all good. No, 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 it's all good. Yeah, look, I think it is just all about that micro pause, and that's all it. That's all it has to be. Is how do you flick? When I talk to people, I'm just like, when you leave me, all I ask is that you've flicked that switch into that conscious part of your brain when it comes to consumption. You've just thrown that lens over stuff, and choose one thing that you're going to change and make it an easy one and don't worry about how simple or um, how insignificant it feels because it really does that's how my you know my journey started by changing my soap from that story to now to now and are we going global oh hey we're world famous in Cambridge and New Zealand world famous in Cambridge are we is that a you know is that an audacious goal for you yeah absolutely is it a case of just look my audacious goal is how do I continue to have impact and scale that as big as I can and if that resonates in a global market which there's definitely been a few opportunities pop up there then absolutely I'm all for it I'm going to hook you up with a few friends around the world Canada, US you know who you are because you listen in and a couple of guys in the UK and I want to connect you up somehow for you to share your story with them because I think the more we can get this out the better it's going to be for everyone Um, my my switch has been flicked it has, (laughs) has been flicked prior but again, these conversations are about, these long form conversations are about, you know, changing habits slowly, not the quick hack. Mm. I, I love long distance Ironman events where you're going long form, not a short sprint. So I think what you've said isn't about changing things overnight, but it's a starting point and looking out and looking into the future. So as we wrap up today, how can people connect with Nicola Turner? Mm. What have you got? Where's the. Website, Instagram, Facebook, Facebook, sorry. Facebook. Sorry, sorry, don't see me. Whoever from Facebook listening, whatever. Yeah, so Mainstream Green is obviously my brand name and you'll find me at mainstreamgreen.co.nz. I'm on LinkedIn under Nicola Turner on all the social channels under Mainstream Green. So, and it's just me. Flick me a message. It's not going to go to the HR department. I love it's that. Just, it's just like, I love getting, like I often get emails and it's like, please forward to the HR department. <laughs> Please forward to the IT department. And I'm like, it's all me. So is that staying that way? Because you know, I speak yeah. to business owners that are, you know, like me. You, you, I've had a business for five years, and it's it's it's. I'm so thrilled of it. But everyone keeps saying, "Oh, you must be ready to scale. Mm. You must be ready to bring staff." But it's like, hell no! I love this. I love mm. this. What we're creating and what I'm doing. But have mm. you got ambitions to 
have lots of little Nick Turners running around or? No, look, I think it would really step change my business to have a small amount of support Hmm. and I'd love to be able to provide, you know, flexible and and inspiring and values aligned Hmm. work for for one or, you know, a few people. But no, I don't. I Hmm. love the nimbleness um, and the ease, comparative ease, I guess, of, of, of it being really small but yeah we've been at, you know there's a few areas for sure that it would be nice to have a little bit of support in but no it's it's not about scale for me it's about impact and how we do that in the best way i'm thrilled we've had this conversation and i'm going to hook up all the notes show notes links to nick and, and and other things we've discussed about in today and if you want to reach out to her please do i i would encourage you to do so if you're in a bookstore or online i'm assuming you yep. jump online and and have a look at her wonderful Living Lightly book and I encourage you to have a look at that and grab that thank you for being a wonderful guest thank you for your time and more more importantly listeners around the world thank you once again for taking some time out of your busy 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 days chucking on your earbuds and listening to my dulcet tones and my wonderful guest's inspiration so I appreciate that and I appreciate you listening in so thank you very much for listening to me on the Nick Rout podcast And I will see you all very, very soon. Take care, go well, look after yourself and look after each other.